Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also at Lakes, Woods, and Irons on our Facebook page and uh, Podcast One, Lakes, Woods, and Irons for all Podcast Minnesota and uh, golfing in our case at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Chris Foley with me, of course, busier than ever uh, this week and every week. So, Chris, uh, from kind of from the uh, a little break from the uh, practice tee, and we'll get the show in. We got Jeremy Millsop coming in from the dispatch. He's always got a pretty good take on uh, young golfers in the area, as you do as well. So that's Absolutely. always a good conversation. And then uh, uh, Garrett Pond, which will be an interesting conversation that you had. Uh, Phil Mickelson's club maker, right? Yeah, Garrett has been with Callaway Golf a number of years, and uh, he is the guy responsible for building Phil Mickelson's clubs. And um, a great story, and it was really fun talking to him following uh, following Phil's PGA Championship win. So yeah, that, that'll be a great conversation. Yeah, that will be. Yeah, it, I wonder if Garrett gets the blame some weeks and the credit other weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, could be. But uh, you know, Phil, Phil is such a club tinkerer that. Uh, they're always working on something for Phil for him, and um, he, great story. But you know, talks about building his driver for the year and what he used to win the PJ Championship, where he drove it. Fantastic! Oh so. boy, did he? Yeah, that'll be good. Then uh, U.S. Women's Open is this week. Uh, always a fun event, and Minnesota's got a little, well, more than one connection. But a seventeen-year-old high school girl who qualified for the U.S. Women's Open and. Can't defend her state championship here in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, it uh, you know opportunity to play in the U.S. Women Open, you can't pass that up. But Isabel McCauley, she um, you know there wasn't a state championship last year, so um, she won two years ago when the Brainerd girls played in the, the high school state championship, and uh, she's a phenomenal player and very very dedicated, has an incredible work ethic, and uh, between her and her sister, they they've kind of. Uh, in their age categories of one, just about everything in Minnesota. So that'll be a great one to follow. And um, also in the field is uh, Amy Anderson, who we've talked about frequently yeah. on the show. And then uh, then Sarah Burnham, who we had on the show last uh, July or August. So some, some nice uh, Minnesota connections. I was reading a great article in uh, Global Golf Post on uh, this um, uh, Rachel Heck from Stanford. Uh, she's quite a young player as well. She dominated the the, uh, the NCAA this year. I think won three three different major events down the stretch and uh, was leading her team into the uh, into the championship until until they got upset. I think by Arizona State. But uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, talented, really driven uh, young women in the world of golf, and uh, uh, kind of fun to see. She's she's had an incredible uh, year, you know. Yeah. Like you said, won won at least three events, if not not a couple more, and uh, um, maybe playing the best of anybody in the world right now. Yeah, and then they and they think she might. Uh, the article said uh, they feel like maybe she'll stay at Stanford all four years. She loves her teammates and yeah, wants to get the education and uh, maybe listen to Tiger a little. He that's one of his regrets in life that uh, he didn't stay at Stanford as for his fourth year. No, that's right. Pretty refreshing to hear. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And our girls are playing some pretty good golf. And uh, as we as we do this segment of the show, the girls will uh, start tomorrow at sections. Correct. 
Correct. Yeah, they. Um, I'll tell you, they had a great win over the weekend. They're th- Thursday and Friday played in the Tri-State, which is down at Bunker Hills. It's kind of a preview for the state tournament, and uh, our Brainerd girls won, and by by thirteen shots over, you know, two of the best teams in the state, uh, uh, Dinah and Chanhassen, which have, uh, you know, both traditionally had very good teams but uh this year have played very well so it was uh what a nice way to you know go into sections and i think uh you know our kind of our nemesis all season has been alexandria and they uh, uh over two days i think we've had a great opportunity to uh to beat alexandria yeah it's going to be a great opportunity it's a a lot of uh a lot of camaraderie on the team, so that's kind of fun. We'll talk to Jeremy about that, and also get a get an update on the boys as well. It's an odd week for us because when the show airs Saturday, uh, the boys and girls will be done, but uh, <laughs> we can uh, well not necessarily done. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of state participants as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we do have done with qualifying for state. Right, done with <laughs> done with winning the section. Uh, and everybody qualifying for qualifying for state. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ the fan and on Facebook at Lakes Woods and Irons and podcast 1 as well you'll find us at Lakes Woods and Irons brought to you in part by Maury's uh, stop into Maury's you can always eat more fish at Maury's stop for lunch at the Mobile Galley in Brainerd great lobster rolls fish and tacos Maury's in Motley and Brainerd uh, next up is our Chris's interview with Garrett Pond Garrett Pond is a uh, Got some great stories here. He's Phil Mickelson's club designer, so you can guess at Callaway things were uh, pretty exciting when Phil Mickelson used his Callaway clubs and won the 2021 PGA Championship. want to welcome to the show a very special guest, uh, Garrett Pong. Garrett is a senior club performance analysis at Callaway Golf and uh, is uh, builds all of Phil Mickelson's clubs. Garrett, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, Chris. It's... Uh Great to be on with you. How's it going? It, everything is good. I, I, I've been looking forward to having you on all week. I uh, so appreciate you coming on the show, but uh, we were talking on, off air here a little bit that uh, uh, how great the weekend was, and, and I, I told you I was just exhausted after that, that weekend of watching Phil, but uh, it had to be very special for, uh, for you and all the team at Callaway. Yeah, it was definitely a fun uh, a fun day walking into work on Monday morning for everyone at Callaway. Just uh, having one of our athletes, especially, you know, it being Phil Mickelson as iconic as he is, and uh, uh, doing it in, in record fashion, being the oldest to ever win a major. Um, everyone was was riding a high, and and uh, our group down here at the test center, uh, in particular, just because we work uh, pretty closely with Phil throughout the season on his equipment so um really excited for him yeah so t- tell us about your background garrett and, and how did you get to the position where you, you build phil's clubs yeah sure so um <clears throat> i guess i've got golf in my in my blood so to speak my grandfather uh, was a man named uh, raymond gafford he was a uh, club pro and touring pro in the 50s in fort worth texas was one of Hogan's buddies. In fact, he played the first practice round with Hogan after Hogan had his injury. Wow. They were that, that close, uh, closely tied together there. 
so he got me started in golf when I was a little kid. I probably had a cut down club when I was four years old. <laughs> um, I had one left handed and one right handed because we didn't know, or my granddad didn't know what what I was going to end up being. Um, so kind of. Uh, fast forward, um, got into competitive golf and didn't end up getting as far as, you know, maybe I, I wanted to, but golf was always something that I was a part of. And I ended up in the golf industry in high school and then in college. And um, I went to San Diego State to get a, a finance degree in, specializing in real estate. So that's what I got my, my, my degree in. Sure. And, uh, I was working at one of the clubs in Rancho Santa Fe here in San Diego, um, which is the, the city where I went to college in. And um, I graduated during a kind of a unsure time in the real estate industry. I graduated at the end of 2006. So there wasn't a lot of uh, yeah. for, for 21-year-olds in that field. And um, I didn't want to necessarily sit around looking like I wasn't doing anything after college uh, or pursuing anything um, uh, a sales job I thought I'd uh, maybe have some good uh, experience if I got a sales job in the golf industry and sure. I met the CEO of Callaway at that time and he got me introduced to some different departments uh, here in Callaway and I ended up getting a club fitting job at a lot of uh, you know golf background like I mentioned. So I ended up in that job and I um, did it for a, a few years, traveling around the country, um, fitting out of our headquarters here in Carlsbad. Gained a lot of experience, uh, technical fitting and, and know-how uh, doing that job. And got to see a lot of really great places in the, in the United States with it as I well. Bet. I bet. And then a job opened up in R&D, um, down at the Ely Callaway Performance Center, which was a job uh, as a club fitter and a club builder. And I ended up beating out uh, a, a good um, number of applicants for that job. And I've been, been down here doing that job for the last uh, 12 years now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, for our listening audience probably doesn't know Callaway spends as much money on R&D as just about everybody else in the industry combined yeah, yeah we've got a hundred and I think roughly 125 employees now in product development or in R&D alone and um, you know some of the some companies that's the whole size of the company so right our uh, current leadership, Chip Ruer, he's big on on product and and really emphasizes research and development um, to be competitive in this industry. Um, and it's uh, it's great to be a part of it, really. Uh, it's going to be fabulous. Well, how did how did you start building Phil's clubs, Garrett? So I sort of inherited the the job. Um, Phil is tied a little bit more closely to our R and D department than a lot of our other tour players are and I think it's a combination a little bit of the fact that he's local um, he flies in and out of the airport that's that's literally right next door to our test facility so he's always able to stop by on his way to an event or um, away uh, on his way home from an event sure. and adjust clubs and it's also due to the fact that he's left-handed and has club specs that we don't often 
make. So a lot of the is kind of made for him. Um, so he's he's part of the process of his clubs a little bit more than than some players because they're they're literally Phil Mickelson clubs rather than you know this player fits into a nine degree speed driver right you know it's 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 a club for him you know if I, if Phil's a great tinkerer and a kind of an equipment junkie and how many how many clubs that you do for Phil actually ever end up making it to market uh Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, uh, we've kind of gotten in the habit to make him one of, not, I wouldn't say everything, but we make him um, more clubs just to try uh, than, than some players. A lot of players tend to um, sort of fit into a box of what type of club they, they'll accept playing or that they want to play, whether it's a certain look. Uh, or a certain sound or a certain feel. Phil will literally play anything um, if the performance uh, satisfies what he's looking for. Sure. That's been evident, you know, in the past where he's played game improvement irons, um, two drivers, you know, anything <laughs> totally results-driven uh, rather than, uh, than looks or um, has to be a certain type of club. Sure. And so when, when Phil come, comes in and, and you've got new new product for him to try, to, tell me how that process works. Would, uh, when he just stops in and you say, hey, Phil, I want you to try this new, uh, new driver we've got, or does, is he kind of always in the know of what you're working on, and how, how does all that work? Uh, well, we try and get him uh, clubs to test, as early as possible, uh, you know, long before they hit hit the market, just like we would do with every tour player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll just use this year as an example. Um, early early on, uh, maybe in the winter time, um, when we get our first run of of epic drivers, uh, we'll test with them, and we'll have them hit um, maybe two or three of the models. You know, uh, of the six models that we might make, we'll know a couple of them are just not designed for what he's looking to do. So we'll have them hit the models that we think have a have a chance to perform pretty well for them. Um, so we'll we'll do that, and then we'll also build up the irons to his spec. Um, and like I said, I'll build up maybe three or four different sets for him, and then he'll take a look at them, and sometimes he'll he'll try them all sometimes he'll say yeah I'll, I'll consider this iron set for my long irons and um i'll try this iron set for my short irons and then he'll eventually end up with a set that he that he wants to play for the season um and this particular year if i uh, expound on the driver um the early testing um showed something uh, a left to be desired so, uh, bef- before the end of last season in fact it was his champions tour debut he decided to try a longer driver shaft okay. he was already yeah. he was already using a longer than some guys driver shaft he had 46 inches for like the past couple of seasons and um, he wanted to try 47 and a half inches so last year he was using a maverick driver 
that he was able to get pretty low spin with and able to draw it when he's trying to draw it. That's kind of the important things for him, low spin, and when he wants to draw it, it draws. It draws. The last thing that he wants is the swing to feel like he's making a draw swing. You know, put a lot of rotation on the grip or the, the, the handle. Sure. And not see it draw. So that Maverick driver, he was able to do that, and he was looking to gain speed and distance. Um, so we went to 47 and a half inches, and, and that was right when he won on the Champions Tour for the first time. So whatever month that was, October maybe. Yeah. And um, so fast forward uh, a few months, we're testing out the Epic line of, of woods, and we either had a driver that spun low but didn't quite draw when he was putting his draw swing on the ball or a driver that didn't launch quite as high and spin quite as low as his Maverick driver or the driver that he hit probably the best during the initial testing was the standard epic speed driver which I'm sure a lot of people that would would be listening to this have tested out and might really popular driver for us he hit that one nice and straight shot shape was good but at a eight and a half degree head which we make in left-handed even in minus two which is the lowest setting we can adjust the driver to was was still spinning a little higher than he was was happy to see or it was a little higher than the the maverick driver so we kind of set about the uh, the goal of okay, if, if we've got all this information about how the drivers are performing, how how can we get a driver for Phil that he can use for the majority of the 2021 season and get you know the the best combination of what he likes about the Maverick driver, good ball speed, low spin, a lot of distance, and the shot shape benefits and and dispersion benefits that that we noticed some test with the epic speed so that ended up being a project that we kind of redesigned the epic speed for him to where it started at a lower loft and then we lowered the center of gravity a little bit to where we had the capability of fine-tuning the spin even at a lower loft uh-huh. and um you can you can go from you know uh what do we need to having a club in your hands in about nine or ten weeks you've got to go through the process of getting the the woods team that does the cad engineering to uh, design it up look at all the mass properties on paper make sure they align with what uh, we think they need to be to get the performance that we're after and then we're working with the foundries that produce our heads um, and then get those built get the tooling built up, get them shipped across the, the globe, and then eventually we've got them in our hands here, here in Carlsbad. And um, uh, right around the Masters was the first time he, he uh, tried this new driver. And um, it wasn't quite right to kind of put in the bag at Augusta. So we stuck with the Maverick that week, and then a, a week or two after that, we kind of went back to it and fine-tuned some things a little bit, and we we kind of zeroed in on what felt pretty pretty comfortable, and um, that was the driver that he ended up using at the PGA. 
You're listening to Chris Foley's interview with Garrett Pond from Callaway Golf. Back with more Lakes, Woods, and Irons after this on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. You can uh, leave us a question there, register for some swag. Also find us at Podcast One, Podcast One, your home for Minnesota podcasts. Brought to you way in part by Minnesota National Golf Course. You've got to play this golf course and be sure to ask about their midweek stay and play packages. We get back now to Chris's great conversation with Garrett, Garrett Pon, club designer for Callaway and who works with uh, Phil Mickelson. You know, along that lines, Garrett, I, I, I've, you know, a lot of people are coming to me asking about, you know, longer shafts and I, I've... I've sold a lot of autoflex shafts in the in the past six months, which are for the most part most people are playing it at 46, 47 inches. But how, when you're working with the average player, how do you determine a good length for a driver shaft? What's your kind of what are your baselines? Yeah, that's a good uh, good question. So there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, um, if a player's Maxed, maxed out on their efficiency with a normal length driver, which a lot of players, if they're you know swinging a regular flex or maybe a stiff flex, say they swing 90 miles an hour, which is kind of the average guy. 92, I think, is average. Um, <clears throat> if if they feel like they're launching the ball reasonable, 10 to 14 degrees, and they're spinning the ball reasonable, uh, 2400 to 2800 somewhere in that window and the smash factor is good everyone's looking at that number or yeah. the efficiency if if there's not a lot left to, to to point to as inefficient and they say well how do i hit it farther that's when you start the the shaft length conversation um and um i like to have players test longer shafts and then find the spot where there's diminishing returns so if 45 and a half or is a standard length driver do they swing a 46 inch driver faster mm-hmm. and does that faster head speed then correlate to faster ball speed and then does that faster ball speed also um uh, combine with still efficient launch and spin and then a lot of times the answer is yes they pick up half an or half of an inch on the shaft or a 90 mile an hour swing might turn into a 91 and a half mile an hour swing which is going to pick them up four yards maybe right so yeah every every or uh, every mile an hour club head speed is a couple a couple of yards so it can make yeah, a significant you're, you're, difference you got uh you got about 2.8 yards available per mile an hour of club head speed um so yeah it could make make a big difference so for that type of player you want to kind of sneak up on the the proper length if 46 is better than 45 and a half, what does 47 look like compared to 46? Mm-hmm. And we'll often see players get to a shaft length, whether it's 46 and a half or 47, 47 and a half, where they they don't swing it any faster. Yeah. Or uh, they'll maybe swing it slightly faster, but they they suffer on hit location or face angle. And um, and it's usually pretty noticeable. You might not even need a TrackMan uh, or or any sort of launch monitor to tell you that. Yeah, I can't hit this one as good. Yeah. Or I'm not hitting this one any farther. Um, 
so as a fitter having shafts at different lengths is uh is a good thing to have on hand for players that are wanting to to try longer shafts and there's never been a better time to try clubs like this because of the modular nature of the way clubs are built now yeah it's so easy Uh, to take the heads off put something else on so easy to change the heads and the shafts but also the the like i was describing with phil the head mass sure there's a lot of drivers that have adjustability in weights screws sliding weights that you can uh increase or decrease the overall head weight um because phil's probably not unique in that respect that he found a uh, a head weight that felt right to him at that longer length um and you can do all these things on the range with you know the, a simple click of the of a wrench yeah really cool yeah. Garrett let's talk about uh, Phil's wedges and you know does he the bounce on his wedges does he change from you know tournament to tournament or different times of the year for instance when he goes to Augusta where the the grass and is so tightly cut and the the you know the surrounds are much firmer will he use different bounces on his wedges than he would for you know a, a typical tournament week or how does that work No he's pretty much the same uh for every event and uh the uh the one event that's maybe he's going to change is, would be a British Open Sure Yeah in the past, he's taken. We've taken some uh, lob wedges and shaved them down to zero degrees of bounce um, on on the super firm courses, where some players uh, are like putting mm-hmm. from the tightly mown areas. That's hard as a rock, you know, because any any sort of bounce on the wedge will be hard to get proper contact. He'll have a zero-degree bounce wedge and slide right under the ball and be able to hit those uh, those super high spinning shots. Wow! Uh, without trouble. But other than that, he keeps he keeps the wedges set up the same. Um, although, as I say that, he's he's now gone to a slightly different loft configuration than he's had for for years. He's he's using uh, what a lot of people use actually. He's using a fifty-degree gap. A sixty-degree lob wedge, and now a fifty-five-degree sand wedge. Okay, interesting. And yeah. what, what what are the bounce on those? And, and how about what what grind does he use? He's got his own wedge. It's called the PM grind. Yeah. And um, the the shape of the grind is sort of like a lower bounce C grind. Um, if you were to compare it to other wedges that we make at Callaway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, sort of a crescent-shaped sole with a lot of relief on the heel and toe on the trailing edges. Um, the thing that makes that that sole a little bit different um, than the sole of our other wedges is there's so much radius on the sole as well as the leading edge. Um, so the bottom looks a lot more like a spoon. Sure. It'll yeah. Go around on the bottom. Yeah. And that's something that he feels like when he opens the club face, he can get the leading edge under the ball better than if the sole was not as rounded. And then um, he likes to hit a shot where he'll lift the handle a little bit higher and and have the toe lower than the heel. Um, He can hit that shot and get under the ball, which he would do do that on really tight lies. Um, 
so it's kind of tailored around shots that that he likes to hit and it's sort of been an evolution of uh of a club that he used growing up yeah or in college at least um and, and then into his tour tour career uh made by ping the ping i2 yeah that wedge you know the pm grind definitely has a, a unique look to it and then the 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 grooves and scoring lines go all the way up the the entire toe it's interesting yeah it's a pretty pretty we actually sell his wedge as well yeah uh, it's called it's called the pm grind mac daddy pm grind and it's pretty polarizing a lot of people want to try it because it's different a lot of people want to try it because it's their you know it's phil's wedge and they mm-hmm. want to try his club and then a lot of people won't even touch it because it's so unique yes uh and and some people are a little bit like Phil from the standpoint of I'll try anything. I'm more results driven, and then if they if they try it because of that, it's sort of fifty fifty as well. Some players hit it and love it, and other players hit it and you know are, want to look for something a little bit different. But um, yeah, it's got a really high toe, a lot of offset, and uh, like I mentioned, a lot of radius on the the leading edge and the sole and. The 55 and 60 that he used at the PGA Championship were uh, uh, prototypes of a potential future version of that club. Oh, neat! Where where we've uh, essentially taking taken some of the things that we've ground into his last version by hand, and then just incorporated it into a, a new design. Um, so he was he was using prototypes type wedges um when he hold out on number five to uh from the bunker there very cool being prototypes everybody will want one now that's a good deal yeah that's the, <laughs> that's the ultimate uh marketing success there that's right one of our guys you know uses a club that's uh going to be coming out at some point to to hit a great shot like that or win a tournament yeah you're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Chris's conversation with Garrett Pond, club designer for Callaway, works with Phil Mickelson, the PGA champion. Next up, we've got Jeremy Millsop, sports editor of the Brainerd Dispatch, right after this on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and also Podcast One lakes woods and irons there as well special guest with us is jeremy Millsop, sports editor the brainerd dispatch and uh, uh does some great great articles follows the golf uh, follows the golf in the area not just uh, high school which we'll talk about but also just uh, everything going on in the world of golf in our area and uh he and chris have about as good a take on the young golfers in the areas we can find so interesting week guys it's sections for the boys and the girls as we talk, the girls tomorrow and the boys playing today. So uh, pretty uh, uh, high-level high uh, uh, stress for the uh, teams right now. It's, we, we get to see the kids in action under a little pressure, Chris, which is a, often a completely different game. No, for sure. And, gosh, Jeremy, it's, uh, you know, we talk about it every year, but the, the level of play in this area just keeps getting a little higher every year. And... Um, Sorry, yeah, I, 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 
I think statewide, um, Section 8 especially, um, for, you know, 8-3-A, you got uh, Moorhead, you have Alex, you have Brainerd. Um, not only do they compete against each other, you know, neck and neck all season long, but then once they get to the state tournament, they uh, usually win it or in the top two or three. Yeah, it, all, it always it, it always kind of irks me when somebody says, oh, our kids can compete with the city kids. And... Uh, you know, there, there's no, there's nothing magical about living in the Twin Cities that makes you a better golfer. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I guess that's the perception. But our, our, you know, we've we've got a lot of good athletes in in this area, and a lot of kids that are passionate and work harder in the games, and it's it's fun to see. But uh, yes, you know, I my always my gauge has always been for for girls golf. If you can shoot three twenty. Uh, or you know, right around that, you can compete for a state title. And um, in the boys, you got to break 300. And uh, we were seeing we're, our Brainerd girls are doing that on a very consistent basis, and um, Alexander as well. So it's it's fun to see. For you know, for Brainerd girls, it's, it's kind of a weird dynamic. Alexandria has two really really good players. I mean, they're probably the two best in the section. But then Brainerd has the next four. <laughs> I mean, it's, as far yeah. as as far as the the talent, I mean, Brainerd is so deep this year. It's just a matter of can those four shoot lower than the top two Alex girls, and that's kind of been the whole the, the recipe the whole season. Alex and Brainerd have been going neck and neck all season long. Yeah, it's uh, you know more so in girls golf than than in boys. True. Uh, if you have a dominant player, it makes a huge difference for your for your team because um, you know the 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 best players in in girls golf are you know generally seventy five to eighty shooters. And if so, if you get a girl that that is shooting you know seventy to seventy five pretty consistently. Uh, that that makes up a big difference over the over the other teams and you see that occasionally in in boys but uh, more so in girls and uh alexander you know just went, definitely has a couple players that are dominant players but uh, brainerd has been so balanced and you know each each tournament you see uh, a different girl that's that's been on top so it's it's fun to see not only on top but uh, as far as you know scoring they've had f- five or six different scorers on their team which you know in high school you take the top four people those are your score for the team it's been a different person or a different combination of players every tournament yeah um, and and just just having that it just it's it's a relief for these girls i mean they don't if they're if one of them's having a bad day they know they have teammates that can you know back them up and so there's really not as much stress as maybe in the years past no, Jeremy, we, sure. we were talking off uh, off mic before, uh, and and Chris and I had the same conversation. Actually, the Brainer girls are coming off a really nice win. Bunker Hills, a two day tournament, um, and it's, it's called the Tri State, and so they're it's kind of an invitation. They take they're taking they're bringing in the best teams from you know with the, with the track record of being good. And Brainerd got a got a invite. They were supposed to host a, a tournament at Headwaters, which is where their section tournament is, but they decided oh, let's go down to Bunker Hills and play against the best, and, and they did, and they won. Um, all four of the scorers were in the top ten, I believe. Um, again, just showing that balance, but then. 
Katie Foley and uh, Izzy Olsen tied for second. Uh, they were, and, and that's that's really good. Izzy Olsen's kind of been struggling with her putter, um, but she stepped up and had a good tournament. And Katie, Katie's been there all season long. She had a nice nice tournament at the Classic here last week. Um, so uh, it just seems like maybe they're they're peaking at the right time, which is what every coach wants. I mean, peak, you know, struggle beginning, kind of kind of find some consistency, and then go low here at the end of the season. Yeah, for sure, Jeremy. You, we uh, as we're taping here, the the boys' section is going on. Brainerd was winning a uh, two-day event. They were tied for the lead after uh, the first round, and you had a little update uh, through six or seven holes. So through six, I'm just updating my phone right here right now just to make sure I get the uh, the most update. They were tied with Alexandria. They both shot through a five yesterday in, in what Eric Stockson called uh, the most perfect conditions that he's that they played there at, at, at Rish, Spricks, Rish Springs Golf Course. Um, so yeah, they're they're struggling today though. Um, I, I won't say struggling, but other teams are kind of playing really well right now. Stockson through seven holes is plus one. Um, Cole Proctor's plus eight. Turner Persons plus 12, Evan Quinn plus 14. So the scores are kind of ballooning, and uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, Moorhead would be in the lead right now. As a team, they're only plus 6, Alexandria plus 11. Sartell moved into that third spot at plus 8, and Brainerd plus 18 today. So the scores aren't as good as they were yesterday. Yesterday they were they were really good, and I think the morale was really good even, so I'm kind of surprised. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's section golf. These are high school kids. Pressure yeah. pressure kind of gets to some kids. Um, so it's unfortunate. But, uh, but then the expectations for this team – Comparative to uh, other teams, like recent Brainerd teams, there, there really wasn't much because you know they didn't have a season last year. Other than Stockton and Cole Proctor, Evan Quinn, they didn't have any uh, experience. So just the fact that they were you know in the hunt day day one, tied for the lead, uh, that's pretty impressive for this group of guys. Right, Jeremy, was is, is that section event? Is that a shotgun starter? Or they do they do tea times? They're they're doing tea times. So right now, okay. yeah. So right now, um, as I update here, so Max Holstrom is through ten. The others are still on the front nine. So gotcha. Yeah, because I know that that there's a that stretch on the back nine that's very difficult at Cold Springs. They always tend to the scores tend to go up on that. So I was hoping maybe they had shotgun and start on the back nine there, but yeah, no, case. no, yeah, with sections because uh, again, day two is so so the 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 field is cut down from day one. So there's not as many golfers out there today. But, right. But yeah, the conditions are other than being a little warm. There's there's not a lot of wind, kind of like yesterday was. So. Hopefully they can it's turn this around good, yeah. and yeah, and find some find some birdies out there. There's got to be some birdies out there, right? <laughs> Let's talk about some uh, local players, guys that you've seen uh, over the course of this high school season. As Jeremy was saying, kind of a uh, unique season, certainly with no season last year. I'm seeing the same thing in a lot of the baseball teams. I see uh, maybe don't have a certain edge that they might have had if they got to play games last year. So equal playing field, I guess, with every, the season canceled for everybody, but. Uh, who's uh, who's going after it this year and playing well? Well, for the boys, you have a, a two-man race between Beck Erholtz of Staples Motley and Pequot Lakes Junior uh, Tyler Seeling. Those two good friends, uh, I will say that right away. But they have been they've been battling each other all season long. Um, I believe they faced each other 13 times head to head, been paired together nine times, and either either one of them wins and the other one's a runner up, and, and vice versa. Um, I don't think they've. 
I don't think they've been out of the top five, not the top ten, but the top five all season long in any of their their events. So not only have they been consistent, but they've been they've been really good. Um, Beck Harrell's just went six under at Craigens yesterday, so he's he's in fine form. Wow, no kidding. It, it, it's really fun to see how those two have driven each other. They're they're very good friends, and uh, both of them have really. Uh, you know, stepped up their level of play this spring, and it seems Jeremy like every every event those two finish one and two, and uh, Beck's got the best of uh, Tyler more often than not, but uh, both of them have really really played some some fine golf this uh, this spring. Yeah, and as he should, he's a senior. He's 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 been a should have been a six-year varsity veteran except for they lost last year so he's five years on the varsity started as a seventh grader he's going to ndsu next year um and he's the one thing with with both those guys are just so level-headed you wouldn't know if they're winning or losing it's just next hole i mean if they have a bad hole let's just move on to the next hole and we'll try and get a birdie wonder if they can teach an old 60 plus a guy that trick chris (laughs) just move on just move on to the next shot you know, Mac, in, in golf, there's always hope. <laughs> and uh, you, can, you can always get better. <laughs> my psychology coach and my golf coach. Yes. Well, you gotta, you got to have two. got to have both. you got to have both. <laughs> you know, uh, you look at that. I mean, so yesterday's event, it was at Craigens where Airholes shot 66. It was It's kind of a, a Section 6-2A tune-up. All those section schools from 6-2A are competing that, or most of them do, because there's a, a large, longer gap between their section tournament and the regular season and so and staples won that event and uh, again staples didn't have high expectations either i mean they had air and and really a lot of unknowns but for a young team they've really stepped it up and are playing well here down the stretch and then pequot has always been kind of the one pushing them so it'd be interesting to see team wise how how that tournament turns out and which that starts on friday and how about on the girls side of things <clears throat> Girl side, uh, I think it's the same same two teams, Pequot Staples in that section six two A for girls. Pequot is playing really well. They're they're deep. They're kind of like the girl, the Brainerd girls team. They're they're deep. They have uh, Morgan Krieger who's really stepped up. She won her first invite here last week, and then she played well again at the Classic. Um, just just missed beating her sister Anna Krieger who plays for Brainerd. So um, so they're playing really well and. Um, and they're kind of the team to beat in that section. Um, but Staples, Staples is sneaky good. Um, they have some some state experience, and um, again, more youth coming up. That uh, it, it just seems like the younger girls play well in the second tournament, and the older girls kind of stress and, and put too much pressure on themselves. So, and come section time, it just depends on how you handle that pressure. Jeremy, what, what, do you know what the history is of you know the 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 Brainerd kids, their section tournament is always back-to-back days. And then some of these sections, you know, they'll go like on a Friday, Monday, or they have several days in between the two rounds of the section tournament. And it's never made any sense to me. I've never heard of a golf tournament in the world that's, you know, the, the rounds are played over, you know, with the several days break in between. Section 7-2A this year went uh, went Monday for girls, and then a week later, Monday. <laughs> so they had a whole week in between the first and second rounds. Um, 
Yeah, Brainerd's going back to back. Then actually, that's kind of unique. Usually, Brainerd goes. Um, they used to go, uh, I believe, Friday before Memorial Day, and then the day after or the day of Memorial Day. Uh, there used to be a, kind of a break there too, but now they're going yeah. back to back, which makes so much more sense. Um, <laughs> because so yeah, so Crosby's and Crosby Aiken, they are in Section Seven Two A. So they had their first round of sections. Three guys advanced, the other three guys didn't. Well, but we have one more tournament to play, a regular season tournament, in between your section tournament. <laughs> that made no sense. Uh, yeah, back to back is just the way to go, I believe. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's how you play a golf tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've never <laughs> seen the PGA. <laughs> like a, I haven't seen the PGA have a week off between, <laughs> between, between rounds. Yeah, join us next Sunday for the final round <laughs> from Augusta. <laughs> Jeremy's golf articles. Anything coming up in particular? I know you. Uh, we there was just a nice uh, uh, gravel pit article. I think yesterday or today. Correct. Uh, it was last, last this, this last weekend here. Chuck yeah. Klasky, former director of golf at Crakens, he's moving over to this new yeah. new uh, property. A gravel pits par three, thirteen holes. Scott's or Scott <laughs> Chris's friend Scott Hoffman's designing it, so you know it's going to be good. Um, it'll be interesting to see. It's a par three course. There's thirteen holes, and it's kind of a a unique unique idea but it should be should be good golf yeah we'll talk more about that as the summer goes on jeremy Millsop, sports editor brainer dispatch find his articles all summer long well all year long really the guy is very busy you're listening to lakes woods and irons on 1380 klize